Chapter thirty four of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter thirty four. Paris, June eighteen twenty one. Men of Letters, Portraits. In the course of the two years which passed from my settlement in Paris till the opening of the Etat Généraux, my circle of society was enlarged. I knew by heart the elegies of the Chevalier de Pagny, and I know them still. I wrote to him, to ask permission to visit a poet whose works were my delight. He replied politely, and I went to call on him in the Rue de Clery. I found a man still rather young, of good manners, tall and thin, and marked with the smallpox. He returned my visit, I presented him to my sisters. He had no great liking for society, from which he was soon driven by politics. He was then of the old party. I never knew a writer who was more like his works, being a poet and a creole. All his wants were an Indian sky, a fountain, a palm tree, and a wife. He dreaded noise, sought to glide through life unperceived, sacrificed everything to his indolence, and was only drawn forth from obscurity by his pleasures, which, en passant, awakened his lyre. Que notre vie heureuse et fortunée court en secret sous l'aile des amours, comme un ruisseau qui murmurant à peine et dans son lit resserrant tous ses flots, cherche avec soin l'ombre des abrisseaux et n'ose pas se montrer dans la plaine. It was this impossibility of rousing himself from his indolence which turned the Chevalier de Pagny from a furious aristocrat into a miserable revolutionist, attacking a persecuted religion and its priests on the scaffold purchasing his repose at any price, and lending to his muse, which produced Eleonora, the language of the places in which Camille Desmoulins was in the habit of going to haggle about his amours. The author of the Histoire de la littérature italienne, who crept into the revolution in the train of Chamfort, came to us in virtue of that cousinship which subsists among all Bretons. Ganguené made his way in the world on the reputation of an agreeable piece of poetry, La Confession des Ulmes which procured him a paltry place in the office of Monsieur de Necker. From thence his peace gained him an entrance into the Board of Control. I do not know who it was that disputed Ganguenet's title to the authorship of La Confession de Dulme, but, in fact, it belonged to him. The poet of Rennes understood music well and composed it himself. Humble as he was, we saw his pride increase, just in proportion as he attached himself to some well-known man. About the time of the meeting of the Etat Généraux, Chamfort employed him to draw up coarse articles for the newspapers and speeches for the clubs. He became arrogant. At the first federation, he said, what a magnificent fete! To give it more splendour, for aristocrats ought to be burned at the four corners of the altar. He was not the first who had given utterance to such wishes. Long before him, Louis d'Orléans of the League had said in his Banquet du Comte d'Arrête, that Protestant ministers, instead of faggots, should be bound to the tree burned in honour of St. John, and Henry the Fourth put in the barrel where people put the cats. Ganguenet had some previous knowledge of the revolutionary murders. Madame Ganguenet forewarned my sisters and my wife of the massacre about to be perpetrated at the Calme, and gave them an asylum. They remained in Cul-de-Sac, Ferrou, close to the place where they were to have been murdered. Subsequently to the reign of terror, Ganguenet became quasi-minister of public instruction, it was then that he celebrated l'arbre de liberté at the cadran bleu to the tune of je l'ai planté je l'ai vu naître he was considered by his philosophy well qualified to be an ambassador to one of those kings who was about to be dethroned from turin he wrote to m de talleyrand 
that he had overcome a prejudice in his pride he had caused his wife to be received at court from mediocrity he started into importance from importance fell into silliness and from silliness into ridicule ending his days as a distinguished literary critic and which is still better as an independent writer in the decade nature restored him to his place from which society had unseasonably drawn him his knowledge is second-hand his prose heavy his poetry correct and sometimes agreeable the poet lebrun was a friend of ganguenet's ganguenet protected lebrun as a man of talent who knows the world protects the simplicity of a man of genius lebrun in his turn shed his lustre upon the elevation of ganguenet nothing could be more amusing than the characters played by these two friends by an agreeable intercourse rendering each other all those services which can be rendered by two superior men in different ways lebrun was just a mock gentleman of the empire his inspiration was as cold as his transports were icy the whole furniture of his parnassus an attic in the rue montmartre consisted of books lying pell-mell on the floor a mean bed with two dirty towels for curtains hung upon a rusty iron curtain-rod and a broken water-jug propped up against a bottomless chair it was not that lebrun might not have been at his ease but he was avaricious and addicted to bad company at the suppers à l'antique given by m de vaudreuil he played the part of pindar among his lyric pieces there are stanzas both energetic and elegant as in his ode on the ship le vengeur and that upon the environ de paris his elegies were the productions of his head rarely of his heart he had the originality of refinement not of nature he created nothing except by the power of art he wearied himself in perverting the sense of words and throwing them into monstrous combinations lebrun had a real talent for satire alone his letter upon la bonne et la mauvaise plaisanterie has enjoyed a deserved reputation some of his epigrams may be placed beside those of j b rousseau la harpe above all inspired him justice must be done him in another respect he was independent under bonaparte and he has left some cutting verses written against the oppressor of our liberties but undoubtedly the most bilious literary man with whom i was acquainted at that time in paris was chamfort affected by the malady which made jacobins he could never pardon men the accident of birth he betrayed the confidence of those into whose houses he was admitted he mistook his cynical language for a description of the manners of the court no one can deny him wit and talents but of that kind which never reached posterity when he saw that nothing was to be gained under the revolution he turned against himself the hands which he had lifted against society the red cap appeared to him in his pride merely another kind of crown and sansculottism a species of nobility of which the marat and the robespierres constituted the high grandees furious at finding inequalities still existing among men in this world of sorrow and tears and condemned to be nothing more than a vilain under the feudal reign of executioners he tried to kill himself in order to escape from the magnates of crime his attempt failed death laughs at those who summon it and who confound it with annihilation i did not become acquainted with the abbe de lille till we met in london in seventeen ninety eight and i never saw rouliere who lived with madame d'egmont and maintained her nor palissot nor beaumarchais nor marmontel there was also de chenier whom i never saw who has attacked me severely to whom i made no reply and whose place in the institute was to produce one of the crises of my life on reading over most of the writers of the eighteenth century i am surprised both with the noise which they have made and at my own former admiration of their works whether it is that our language has advanced or retrograded whether we have been making progress towards civilization or retreating towards barbarism certain it is that the authors which formed the delights of my youth 
now appear to me worn out gone by lifeless and cold even in the greatest writers of the voltairian age i find poverty of sentiments of thought and of style to whom can i attribute my mistake i am afraid i must be regarded as the first criminal born an innovator i may perhaps communicate to new generations the malady with which i have been attacked frightened i cry in vain to my children do not forget french they answer as the limousin did to pantagruel qui vient de l'âme anclite et célèbre académie que l'on vous this manner of greekizing and latinizing our language is by no means new rabelais cured it it reappeared in ronsard boileau attacked it in our days it has been resuscitated by science our revolutionists great greeks by nature have forced our tradespeople and peasants to learn hectare hectolitre kilomètre millimètre decagram politics have been ronsardized i might have spoken here of m de laharpe whom i knew at this time and to whom i shall return i might have added to the gallery of my portraits at a fontaine but although my connection with that excellent man commenced in seventeen eighty nine it was only in england that i formed a friendship with him which became always closer in misfortune and never relaxed in prosperity i will at a later period give the full effusions of my heart on this subject i shall only have to describe talents which no longer console the earth the death of my friend took place at the moment when my recollections were leading me to retrace the commencement of his life life passes so rapidly away that unless in the evening we record the events of the morning labours press upon us and we have no longer time to put them on paper this however does not prevent us from squandering away our years and from casting to the winds those hours which are to mend the seeds of eternity End of chapter 34